Welcome to the 24-Minute Bible Podcast featuring Pastor Mark Miner, where we will journey together to help you grasp how the Bible fits together to provide a coherent, understandable, and historical book. The purpose of this podcast is not to convince, but to help you understand. Not to defend, but to connect the dots of this most amazing book. Not to debate, but to discover the plan of the Bible. There is a plan. If you enjoy what you hear today, please leave us a review. It really does help us. And now, here's Pastor Mark. Well, welcome everyone to the 24-Minute Bible Podcast. My name is Mark Miner. It's morning where I'm at, so I hope you're having a good morning, good afternoon, good evening, uh, whatever it may be. I've got my uh, morning voice on, so I may have to clear my throat more. I certainly don't have my radio voice on. I've always wanted to have one, but I don't. But I do have a face for radio. That's what I've been told before. So anyway, welcome to episode 48. I feel like a nerd when, with the words I'm about to say, but uh, our, our episode today is one of the most exciting ones for me in the Bible. Now, I know most people will, will kind of cringe when I say what we're going to talk about, but we're going to talk about understanding the Old Testament laws. I'm telling you, it, it's exciting. And once we get into it, let me give you some concepts, and that's what we're going to look at today, that will perhaps help you to, to grasp this uh, this large portion of uh, the Old Testament, for sure, for the books of Moses. Uh, I know many of you, myself included, it, it usually happens this way. Sometime in January, we get challenged by someone. We decide on our own to read through the Bible. We're going to do it from cover to cover. And we start off with good intentions. We start off with a lot of zeal, a lot of excitement. And we begin in Genesis. And wow, that's pretty interesting stuff. Some weird things going on and interesting uh, actions taking place. So it's kind of like a movie. Here we go. And, and then we make it to Exodus. And you know, that's Moses. And, and then we get into the plagues and let my people go. And, and the Red Sea. And then there's the mountain that Moses goes up. And there's the burning bush, the Ten Commandments, and of course, the golden calf. Again, all pretty interesting stuff and understandable to our minds. But then, then, we hit chapter 21 of Exodus, which is the beginning of the law. The reading becomes quite difficult. It becomes more complex. It becomes sort of redundant. It's like, oh my goodness, i, I got to get my way through this so I can get back to more interesting things. Only the problem is that we get into Exodus and then there's Leviticus. And the very name Leviticus means law. And then there's numbers. And how could that be interesting? We start talking about numbers and numbering things and counting things. And here we go again. More of this sort of old mundane, boring stuff. And then we get to Deuteronomy, which is a second word. That's what Deuteronomy means, the second law or the second word. And there's more of the same. And, and a lot of people have good intentions starting out reading the Bible only to fail somewhere in these books of the law. Well, I, I want to help you understand the purpose of them. I think when we get context and understanding, it will help you make more sense, maybe fight your way through it. But even more than that, get excited about these particularly four books, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, which are absolutely foundational for the entire Bible, for the gospel of Jesus, for the church, for so much that we have today in society. God did something amazing 
when he gave these words to Moses on the on the Mount Sinai and then later on in this tent of meeting that we've perhaps talks about we've talked about before in other episodes where God met with Moses face to face and spoke with him as a man speaks to a friend. Now that's not to say that God saw Moses or that Moses saw God. Let me say it that way. Moses didn't see God, but he got a first-hand account of things according to the Bible, the testimony on the testimony of the word is that God dictated or at least communicated to Moses these amazing things that we read about in the book of Genesis. Obviously, Moses wasn't there. But then we go on from there and we get this amazing uh, body of work called the Old Testament laws. So hang with me, if you will. We're going to look at some philosophy and background today. Uh, mainly, we're going to answer three questions. We're going to ask, ask and answer, hopefully, uh, why did God have Moses write all these things down? Why? And what does it mean to me, to you, uh, the listener here today, and how can I make sense of what I am reading? Well, my friends, we can, and uh, these chapters uh, of uh, the books of Exodus through Deuteronomy are absolutely foundational, and they're actually, and here's my nerd part now, they're very, very interesting, honest. So I hope to give you a little different way of looking at the Old Testament laws so that next time you, you get into it, you won't just skip over. But in fact, you'll be looking at it with interest because there's nuggets of gold and platinum and life all through uh, the whole books of the Old Testament law. Let me visit back a little bit. Uh, just I like stories. It kind of helps me communicate or understand some things. And you might remember the movie A Christmas Story. It'll be on like 4,000 times around December uh, on every channel, it seems like. If you remember A Christmas Story, there's Ralphie. Ralphie of the Red Ryder BB gun of the, you'll shoot your eye out. Uh, yeah, that Ralphie. And you remember that movie, and, and perhaps if you've seen it, uh, there's a, a time Ralphie gets really excited because he sends off for a little orphan Annie decoder ring that uh, was on one of the radio programs that he was listening to. Well, it was Little Orphan Annie, Annie, and there would be a special ring, and it would give you the secret to everything. And so he sends off for it. One day it comes. He reaches in the mailbox. There it is. He pulls it out. Runs up to his open his room, gets the secret decoder sort of uh, formula there, and and he begins to to chart it out, waiting for the secret message is going to reveal some great truth. <laughs> Do you remember what the truth was that that the secret decoder ring uh, gave him, sponsored by the Little Orphan Annie radio program, uh, which was promoted and funded by a chocolatey drink called Ovaltine. You might remember what the message was, and the message was simply this, <laughs> drink more Ovaltine. Well, this is not a sales pitch as we look at the Old Testament law. There is no secret decoder ring. I know there's some books that have talked about uh, a Bible code and things like that, and I'm not putting those books down. There are some codes in the Bible that are very interesting, but the Old Testament laws are not that. Uh, they they are uh, amazing. They are true. Sometimes they get a little complicated. We should understand that all law is complicated. Uh, we'll we'll talk more about that in subsequent programs. But but once we understand God's purpose, the why, the what, and the how, everything can begin to come much more in, po in focus. So in today's episode, that's what we're going to look at. We're going to be talking about the festivals and offerings. That's in, in in a couple of weeks. The next couple of weeks, we're going to be talking about the festivals and the offerings, which are part of the Old Testament law. And then we're going to talk about the basis of all human justice. 
and that, of course, is the laws of the Old Testament. So uh, thank you for joining and being a part of, of this episode. Let's get into uh, the, the two or three uh, parts of, of understanding the philosophical underpinning for the Old Testament law, the why, the what, and, and the how of, of this, uh, these amazing words and these amazing four or five books. So let me, let me just start off with a question here and a little background, a little context, if you will. <clears throat> the children of Israel were perhaps one million strong when they came out, of, came out of Egypt. They had just been liberated by Moses. We read about that in Exodus chapter 12, 13, and 14. But think about this for a moment, if you would. For over 400 years, the Hebrews had been slaves. They went down into Egypt, 70 people. Now, 400 years later, they're almost 1 million strong. But they've been slaves the majority of that time, 400 years approximately. They've been totally immersed in Egypt, in the Egyptian ways. As slaves, they had been told what to do, where to go, when to get up. They had eaten whatever they had been given. They had no schools, no meetings, no special days, no right and wrong. They were slaves. Might made right, and so whatever the Egyptians told them to do, that's what they did. In other words, the Hebrews had no culture of their own. Zero. For 400 years, they had lived this ongoing life of simply being told by another group, another culture, another people, bigger, stronger, powerful, more powerful than them. This is what you will do. This is what you will believe. This is what you will eat. This is where you will go. And this is when you will get up and when you will go to bed. All of those things have been part of their life for generations. And now they're free. How will they handle that freedom? Well, understand this. Uh, it is absolutely, impo absolutely important for every people to have their own culture. Every ethnicity, every belief system has to have its own culture. Think about slavery in America, if you will, as the Africans were brought over here to America. By the way, that, that existed less than 200 years from 1865, the beginning of the Civil War, 1765, the country wasn't even a country at that point in time. There was slavery here in America, but it wasn't inculculated. It wasn't codified. It was just simply existing here. But for less than 200 years, slavery went on in America. We're talking about a people coming out of Egypt that had been there twice as long. Now, I'm emphasizing this simply to say that every society has to have some things to have a culture. They have to have holidays. They have to have sacred things, offerings, if you will. And they have to have laws by which to guide themselves. They have to have a heritage, if you will. And the Hebrew children for those last 400 years had none. What would the United States, if you're a, 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 an American today listening to this, what would the United States be without the pilgrims? 
without Mayflower, the Mayflower, without the writing of the Declaration of Independence, without the Boston Tea Party and the Midnight Ride of Paul Revere and George Washington and Valley Forge and the Constitution, and I could go on and on, what would we be like? What would we be like if we didn't have a culture with, with holy days? What, what would we have Thanksgiving based on the pilgrims, of course? And, and so you, you have a memory set. You have a background. You have a, a, a desire to have that time when you go and you overeat turkey and, and you overeat pumpkin pie and perhaps you watch football games or you lounge on the couch and all the family gets together. That's a heritage. That, that's a cultural thing. Christmas, my goodness, all the things, the tree and, and all the things around it and the gifts and the songs and, and, and the celebration, if you will, Fourth of July with our fireworks and, and all of the different things that are part of that. Again, the Hebrews had none of that. Now, again, I'm, I'm emphasizing this for one reason. One of the purposes for the Old Testament laws from Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy was to build for this enslaved people their own culture. That's what God was doing. He was giving them uh, holidays, holy days. He was giving them sacred things, things to touch and not touch, things that were valuable, things that were foundational, things that were of special note. Uh, we, we even we encounter that in the, the Passover meal. Uh, they're still in slavery. This is the thing that's going to get them out of the slavery. And, and what is God telling uh, the children of he, the Hebrew children, the, the Israelites, through that meal? In every year when you meet on this specific day, remember how God delivered you from slavery. Well, he was creating a holiday. He was creating a holy day. He was creating for them a culture and a heritage which lives on 4,000 years later today. Uh, even here at our church coming up around Easter time, we're going to celebrate uh, the Passover and have some uh, Jews for Jesus, a group that we support mission in a mission sense. They're going to come and do the Passover meal for us. Well, that was something that God gave to the children of Israel for them to have a holiday. In fact, probably the most important of the holidays, certainly the initial holiday, was the Passover. So understand that God is giving them these, all these laws and all these holidays and all these uh, special uh, things to touch and not touch, to revere, and, and that's sacred. He was defining for them what is sacred and what is profane, something that we've kind of lost in our culture. But he was defining that for them so that they could have a very special heritage. And it is a very special heritage. It lives on to this day. And in fact, without I'm going off text right now a little bit, but our country would not exist if it were not for the heritage of the Hebrews. We are a Judeo-Christian nation. We are built on the same laws that God gave Moses that flow through the Old Testament, that Jesus uh, celebrated himself and gave life and breath and meaning to. Those are the very things that have built our culture. I've traveled in many cultures. I've been to China. I've been to uh, Guatemala. I've been to uh, Turkey. I've been in Muslim cultures. I've been in uh, animistic sort of cultures, uh, juju and, and voodoo type cultures. Traveled a lot, and, and I'm, I see the impact that culture has on every uh, group of people. 
you you are like the God that you serve. And when I was in the, in uh, uh, Guatemala, there's a, the the, Gua, the Guatemalan gods, the Mayan gods, if you will, uh, are very brutal, very bloodthirsty, very. There's no compassion. There's no heart there. And, and celebrating those gods would, was always a a bloodbath. Somebody was going to die, and that was it was a horrible sort of god. And the people, the Mayan and the Aztecs, became like the god that they served. That's how the Book of Psalms, by the way. We all become like the God that we serve. That's why culture is so important. And in our culture here in America, we will become like the God that we lift up high. I hope and pray that continues to be the God of the Old Testament and the God of the New Testament. Okay, so enough of that. Building a culture there is point number one. The second thing is the purpose of the Old Testament laws. Uh, these laws, and I've already alluded to this a little bit, these laws, these holidays, and these offerings uh, sometimes in some cultures they're formal, written. That's what God was doing here uh, to the to Moses and the children of Israel. Sometimes there's the informal. Uh, they're oral and colloquial understanding. The, the Sioux, the Lakota Indians, and, and some tribes uh, have a lot of oral traditions that are passed down. Well, again, understand that Israel was coming out of Egypt. They were about to, they had were becoming a new nation, and yet they had no skill set whatsoever on how to govern themselves. And they needed these, these laws, these holidays, these offerings. And that's, again, what the book of, of Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy is about. It's, it's giving them the culture, but it's also giving them the ability to determine for themselves with God as their overseer, God as their king, God as their judge. They're going to be able to govern themselves in this land that God is going to give to them in the book of Joshua as uh, we continue on, continue on through the Old Testament and that understanding. Uh, the one thing about the laws of the Old Testament that makes them absolutely unique compared to any other culture anywhere else, they were breathed by God. The Old Testament laws, festivals, holidays, um, offerings, all came about because God gave them through the auspices written down by Moses, supernaturally preserved over these 4,000 years to this very moment. But they came not from the mind of man, not from some uh, societal memory. They came from the heart and mind of God. And that's what makes the Old Testament laws unique compared to any other law or any other culture uh, in, in the history of mankind. Every one of the holidays, every one of the offerings, every one of the laws has a purpose. And that's the beauty of exploring those laws. It, it's, uh, it is, there is a purpose. God didn't just do it because. It wasn't happenstance that he said to write these things down. Uh, it reveals an aspect of the nature and character of God. That's what the Old Testament laws do. Jesus said it this way, not a jot or a tittle, that's a dotting of an I or a crossing of a T, uh, will fail to have a purpose. It has a reason for existing. Now, there are, I'm going to give you three distinct purposes uh, of uh, these Old Testament laws, if you will, and think about this, if you would, as you're listening right now. Uh, why did God give them the laws? Well, the purpose of the laws were this, to help Israel and us today, but specifically for them, to help this nation of Israel know God. The duty of all man, according to the Westminster Catechism, is to know God. That's our purpose, is to know our daddy. 
and to understand how that we are created in his image and that we have his DNA in us and it's been restored to us if we've been born again. Uh, now we have truly God in his spirit flowing in us. But the purpose of the law was to help them to know God. There's a second purpose of the law, and that is to understand that they are unique, that they are called by God. We're not, as evolution says, just an accident of biology or some cosmic explosion somewhere. We have a purpose. We are unique. We are made in the image of God, and we are called by Daddy God to come to him and to understand him. And the third purpose of the law is to provide for Israel, this nation, this unique group of people, protection. Yes, protection of body, soul, and spirit. That each individual that is called out and God-formed can live a happy, a healthy, and a holy life. Body, soul, and spirit. We can experience God in every aspect of our being. And it's that protection that the Old Testament law gives us. So again, let's remind ourselves the purpose of the Old Testament laws. They're to know God to understand that we are called by God and to understand that through these laws and these cultures and these, these festivals and these feasts and these offerings, we have protection by God of body, soul, and spirit, the complete entity of us. And that's the purpose for the Old Testament laws. Hope that makes some sense to you. Uh, let's, so here's what we're going to be getting into. We've got one more point, but in the next lessons, the next couple of episodes, uh, we're going to be talking about the seven holidays and the five offerings that are in the Old Testament. We're going to explain them a little bit, look at the purpose for them, uh, understand why God said what he said. I mean, there's a lot of, there's blood and there's burning and there's offering this stuff and, and there's the grain offerings and all. Well, what's up with that? Well, that's what we're going to be looking at in, not today, but in the next le lessons. And then we're going to talk about the foundational laws, how the laws aren't just some words that God spoke just because. Every one of them has a meaning, a purpose, a value to it. As we read through the Old Testament laws, they are scientific, they are therapeutic, they are fair, they are just, they are unbiased, they are compassionate, they are societally beneficial, they are community building, they are maritally fulfilling. All and so much more of the laws given to us by God have benefit every single word breathe from God has some benefit to us. So when we look at the Old Testament laws, again, the nerd part of us, but when we look at some of the Old Testament laws, we begin to say, why did you do this, God? And the Holy Spirit begins to understand, help you understand the purpose, the deeper meaning behind these things that God has said in, in this Old Testament law. The third thing that we'll look at today as we close out, some of the underlying presuppositions those foundational understandings or givens when we look at the Old Testament laws. I've already emphasized some of these, but let me just put them together in some forms here. Every word, action, and commandment is written to benefit you. You've heard it said probably, God loves you. He really does. No more graphic way could be shown than Jesus' death on the cross for God so loved the world that he gave his greatest gift himself, his only begotten son. But everything he writes in the Old Testament, there's a benefit for us. So let's explore what that might be. Secondly, uh, there's a deeper spiritual meaning behind everything that God says. It's not just frivolous. It's not just because I said so. 
I remember years ago when, when I was baptized, and it had meaning to me. I was eight years old at the time, and I remember my parents were there one of the first times they'd ever been in church to, to watch me be baptized. But I've also realized for many people, they get baptized perhaps young, but then as a pastor, I found people will come to me and say that they want to be rebaptized. And it's not that they've necessarily lost their way. It's just simply that sometimes uh, they've come to a more fuller and complete understanding of this faith walk that God has called us to. And they're wanting to be rebaptized as a, a statement to themselves, uh, perhaps. It's sort of like redoing your vows for those couples that have been married maybe 20, 25 years, 50 years, and they want to renew their vows. They're not being unmarried and remarried. It's simply that now it has more meaning. I understand. Well, that's the Old Testament laws have a deeper spiritual meaning than just the surface of what they're talking about. Again, we'll look at some of those in the next couple of lessons, next couple of episodes. Thirdly here, uh, the culture that God gives his nation in the Old Testament, the Jews, and, and subsequently to us today, uh, it has a fulfillment. There's a prophetic sort of meaning to everything that God says uh, in the Old Testament, and we find that fulfillment in the New Testament predominantly. Some of the things are still yet to be fulfilled, but remember what Jesus said. Jesus said, I did not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. So simply put, as we read and study the Old Testament laws, we should be looking and asking ourselves, how is it that God is showing his love to me in this, these words I just read? Where's the love thing going on there? Uh, secondly, what, what is God revealing to us about his character or his nature? Because he is saying something with every word, every breath, every uh, law that he gives us. And thirdly, where in the New Testament is the fulfillment of this law or this holiday or this offering? I'm going to close out with this little example. It's just now 24 minutes, so hang with me for a moment if you would. But uh, For example, why did God tell the Hebrews uh, to wash all these ceremonial washings after touching certain things? For example, if something had mold on it or mildew, uh, if there's something dead or diseased, sure, certainly in these days of pandemic, we understand that about quarantine and we understand about uh, cleanliness and things, but that was a whole new aspect to the Hebrews. It still is to my grandchildren about washing your hands after touching certain things. Uh, why is that? Well, uh, the love aspect is that he doesn't want us to get sick. Now, he didn't tell them about germs and viruses and all those type of things. That was going to come uh, 4,000 years later in our lifetime. But, but the truth of it was that God was giving them a love aspect, telling them don't do these things so you won't get sick and, not, and you won't spread the disease or the sickness. That's the love aspect of washing your hands. Uh, the second aspect is a deeper meaning, and, and that is simply about that, that there are things in this life that want to suck life from us. They are damaging to us. There are other life forms that will kill us. And uh, we want to be careful not to touch or involve ourselves to separate ourselves from certain things. That's the deeper meaning of washing your hands, if you will, a, a true Old Testament commandment. And, and the fulfillment of that is simply that Jesus overcame death, hell, and the grave. Those things that seek to destroy us, Jesus has washed us clean. He has cleansed us, not just our hands, but our hearts, our souls, with his blood and with his life. And so that's the fulfillment of this very understandable and mundane for us in this society, not so much in other societies of the world even today. They don't understand about the value of the therapeutic and hygienic value of this Old Testament commandment. 
of simply washing your hands after you've touched certain things. Okay, well, I hope that makes some sense for you today. Next week, we're going to be looking at uh, the uh, aspects of the seven holidays and the five offerings that are part of the Old Testament laws. I hope you'll find them interesting. I do. And we're going to talk about the fulfillment and how they work. And, and maybe the Old Testament will make more sense to you, perhaps, than ever before. I hope so. For that's certainly the goal and the purpose of the 24-Minute Bible Podcast, to help you simply understand the Bible. Thanks for being a part today. I've appreciated you lending me 24, 25 minutes of your time. Have a great day. Look forward to seeing you next week on the 24 minute bible podcast thank you so much for listening to the 24 minute bible podcast if you enjoyed this episode and look forward to continuing this journey to understanding the bible please subscribe to the channel and if you would be so kind please share it with your friends who might enjoy it as well join us next week with mark minor for another episode as we continue to explore how the bible so beautifully fits together May you have a blessed week and may God be glorified in your life.